So the trifecta of symptoms that should make you think rhabdo is dark, like Coca-Cola-colored urine, muscle pains or aches, and of course, weakness or drowsiness, which like if they haven't peed yet and the patient just tells you, I just ache and I feel tired, that isn't exactly the most specific set of symptoms. So a good history is going to be what guides you to this diagnosis. And additionally, not every patient with rhabdo has the symptom combo anyways. Hey there, I'm your host, Sarah Lorenzini, a rapid response nurse and educator who loves telling stories to teach critical thinking. This podcast is for nurses who want the knowledge, skills, and confidence to respond to any emergency. With almost 20 years of experience in the ER and critical care nursing and a master's degree in nursing education, I have a lot of stories to share, and I love to nerd out and break down the pathophysiology, pharmacology, and nurses' role in emergencies. Stories bring learning to life. It is way easier to learn from and remember the stories that my colleagues and mentors have told me than anything I've read in a textbook. And that is why I made this podcast. Every episode is packed full of exactly what you need to know to handle whatever crisis that could arise on your shift. It's one thing to get the right answer on the test, but knowing how to detect when your patient is declining and what to do when your patient is crashing is what will make or break your day and might just save your patient's life. Welcome back. Today, I'll be breaking down the pathophys and treatment of rhabdomyolysis. Last week, I gave you another mystery episode where I shared the story of Joey, a 14-year-old who came to the ER after football camp with altered mental status and some scary lab abnormalities and ended up going into VTAC and requiring intubation and mechanical ventilation. Sick, sick kiddo. So great job to everyone who put the pieces together and guessed rhabdomyolysis as Joey's diagnosis. If you haven't already listened to episode 89, go ahead and pause this episode now and go back and check it out because I'll be referencing details of that case throughout this episode. But if you've already listened to episode 89, let's dive in. Okay, let me catch you up. So after being cardioverted and intubated, Joy was ultimately diagnosed with rhabdomyolysis and admitted to the ICU. They attempted to perk up his kidneys with IV fluid resuscitation, but Joy was not making much urine despite diuretics and a ton of IV fluids. So he had to be put on CRT, or Continuous Renal Replacement Therapy. In simple terms, it's gentle bedside dialysis, which happens in the ICU setting. So Joey spent a few weeks in the ICU, but did ultimately recover and was discharged home. Yay! So let me start by defining rhabdomyolysis. So in Latin, rhabdo means rod-like or striated. Think like skeletal muscles. And then myo is muscle. And lysis is the suffix meaning disillusion or damage or death. So what's happening with rhabdomyolysis is there's a breakdown in skeletal muscle tissue and a lysis of muscle cells. So the release of muscle proteins along with other cell contents in the bloodstream can cause kidney damage and a range of other complications from electrolyte abnormalities, arrhythmias, metabolic acidosis, liver failure, even disseminated intravascular coagulation or DIC. So rhabdomyolysis can also vary greatly in severity. Some patients can just go home and flush things out simply by increasing oral fluid intake, but others like Joey require a stay in the ICU, dialysis, and sometimes 
the ventilator, and very close monitoring of fluid volume status and hemodynamics. So what causes rhabdomyolysis? Or can we just call it rhabdo, guys? Because it's a very long word to constantly have to really focus on pronouncing correctly. So rhabdo typically occurs when muscle tissue is damaged, either due to trauma, like a crush injury, or muscle overuse, or medications. And certain medical conditions can also predispose folks to developing rhabdo. I feel like everyone always thinks about crush injuries or marathon runners for rhabdo. But I've cared for patients who develop rhabdo after a long seizure or psychiatric patients who develop rhabdo after a manic or psychotic episode. Even patients who ingested or smoked or snorted or in some way consumed street drugs that resulted in very intense activity, which led to rhabdo. The other really common one was patients who are found down at home. So like the patient had a stroke and they fell. They've been stuck on the floor for days without the ability to move. So the muscles break down from pressure injuries as well. The breakdown of muscle fibers releases substances into the bloodstream with creatine kinase being the key marker for muscle damage. Elevated levels of myoglobin, potassium, and other cellular contents flood the bloodstream, posing a threat to vital organs, especially the kidneys. So the trifecta of symptoms that should make you think rhabdo is dark like Coca-Cola colored urine, muscle pains or aches, and of course, weakness or drowsiness which like if they haven't peed yet and the patient just tells you, I just ache and I feel tired, that isn't exactly the most specific set of symptoms. So a good history is gonna be what guides you to this diagnosis. And additionally, not every patient with rhabdo has the symptom combo anyways. To understand the pathophysiology and the symptoms that occur with rhabdo, we have to think about what happens when muscle cells are either overworked or crushed or lice open. First, muscles need oxygen. Extreme exercise or injury requires increase in oxygen, and when the body can't provide that, muscle cells have to revert to anaerobic metabolism, and the byproduct of that is lactic acid production. Hence, the metabolic acidosis that we see with rhabdo. So for more on metabolic acidosis, I did a whole episode on ABGs. It's episode 55. If you wanted to write that down and go back and check it out later. Next, cells break down and release potassium, phosphate, and myoglobin. So let's start with potassium and the hyperkalemia seen in rhabdo. Elevated potassium can be life-threatening and lead to arrhythmias. There's a lot to break down regarding hyperkalemia. So I actually did a two-part podcast series on hyperkalemia. If you want to learn more about that, what's happening at the cellular level for hyperkalemia, how to treat it, you should check out episodes 46 and 47. But the summary is, it can lead to ventricular arrhythmias, which if you remember, is exactly what happened to Joey. In addition to elevated potassium, you'll also see elevated phosphate, which will only further exacerbate your patient's muscle pain. But the real hallmark sign of rhabdomyolysis is caused from the release of myoglobin from the damaged muscle cells into systemic circulation. Myoglobin in large quantities is toxic to the kidneys. The kidneys get kind of clogged, so to speak, and can start to shut down, leading to increased BUN and creatinine, and poor filtration of toxins like potassium out of the body. The myoglobin causes a few symptoms, the dark tea or Coca-Cola urine from all the myoglobin, as well as decreased to no urine output. As far as lab values, you'll see a spike in myoglobin or MB, but that typically spikes and falls rather quickly. It's estimated that myoglobin will clear from the kidneys within six to eight hours from the time of muscle injury. So 
Creatine kinase, however, is an enzyme found in muscle cells, and it begins to rise within 2 to 12 hours after the initial muscle injury and usually peaks around 24 to 72 hours. So it's a better lab to trend to see if patients are worsening or improving. And since patients often don't come to the hospital right after the muscle injury, like Joey, Creatine kinase is a more reliable indicator of rhabdomyolysis than myoglobin, as myoglobin might have already cleared the system. So in patients whose CK does not decline as expected with treatment, one has to suspect continued muscle injury, like the development of compartment syndrome. A normal CK is less than 200, but rhabdo can be defined when a CK level is greater than five times the upper limit of normal, or greater than like 1,000-ish. However, the rhabdo cases that I've seen and the ones that usually result in kidney damage have a CK greater than 5,000, and Joey's was 40,000. The final lab worth mentioning is calcium. So calcium and phosphate have an inverse relationship in the body. In rhabdo, you usually see hypocalcemia early on, but as the patient is effectively diuresed, you may see hypercalcemia. Before I go into treatment of rhabdo, let me quickly summarize the pathophysiology that causes the symptoms of rhabdomyolysis. Hey guys, I'll get back to the episode in just a second, but I wanted to pause to let you know that if you love my podcast but wish there were more of these awesome episodes, well, I have great news for you. There is more. My Rapid Response Academy is basically podcast 2.0, plus the huge added bonus of community. I love hosting this podcast, but it's just me recording into a microphone often by myself. And this extroverted gal who loves to both teach and mentor nurses just wanted more. So in the community I created, I get to teach live every Friday and break down topics that I think every nurse needs to know. From deep dives into the pathophys of every emergency you can think of, to some of the heart of nursing topics as well, like how to advocate with confidence for your patient, how to de-escalate situations, how to deal with bullies on the unit, how to be an amazing preceptor and charge nurse, and some of the mindsets and boundaries that have helped me stay in nursing for the last 20 years, not burn out, and thrive at the bedside. I love the opportunity to answer your questions live, and it's such a joy to see nurses supporting each other in this community. So if you're an acute care nurse that wants to expedite your growth as a nurse and invest in yourself so that you can provide the best care to your patients, you would love my Rapid Response Academy. So to learn more, I put a link in the show notes for you. Hope to see you there. Rhabdomyolysis is a condition caused by muscle damage, either from trauma, medications, infection, or excessive muscle use, and the cells are damaged or lice, and the contents of the cell leak out, leading to elevated myoglobin, which causes that dark urine, and also elevated creatine kinase. This excessive myoglobin gives the kidneys a run for their money and could clog them up, leading to kidney damage. Additionally, potassium leaks out in the bloodstream, which leads to hyperkalemia and possible arrhythmias. Phosphate coming out of the lice cells causes elevated phosphate levels and can lead to hypocalcemia. Inadequate perfusion to the muscles causes an elevated lactic acid. Too much acid leads to metabolic acidosis. And unfortunately, if the kidneys are damaged, they can't do a good job of buffering that acidosis, so it can be really difficult to treat. The patient may have an increased respiratory rate as the body is trying to compensate for an acidotic state and blow off CO2, so increasing that respiratory rate. So yeah, rhabdo can lead to a really sick patient. Now, how do we treat it? 
The first goal is to address the underlying cause. Rehydrate the dehydrated cells. Remove the ischemic limb. Stop the medication or toxin that started this whole cascade. Release the compartment syndrome with a fasciotomy. Prevent complications and promote muscle recovery. So in rhabdo, the body's pretty dehydrated and the kidneys are clogged. So initially, we're going to give them a good amount of IV fluids. There's so much debate about what type of fluid and how much. There's no clear guideline on this one. Some say saline and not LR because LR has a small amount of potassium in it. But some say LR and not saline because saline can lead to elevated chloride, which can further exacerbate an acidotic state. Y'all, I can see both sides. I tend to prefer LR in most cases, but just know that there are arguments for both. What I will say is your goal is not fluid overload. Your goal is to flush the kidneys. If you are giving large amounts of fluid and expect large amounts of fluid, like liters and liters per day, but you're not getting good urine output, the team needs to know that. If the kidneys are not perking up, the patient may need to go on dialysis. So either traditional hemodialysis or continuous renal replacement therapy. So accurate eyes and nose are essential with this patient population. On that note, the kidneys are needed to filter off potassium and phosphate. But if they aren't working, you can temporarily shift the potassium out of the bloodstream back into the cell and hopefully prevent an arrhythmia with a hyperkalemia cocktail. That would be insulin, dextrose, maybe a bicarb drip. But again, check out episode 46 and 47 for all the deets on hyperkalemia. The big difference here is that we would only give the calcium in that hyperkalemia cocktail if the patient had some major ECG changes and were really legitimately worried about arrhythmia. We actually want to avoid giving additional calcium, even in the presence of hypocalcemia, as that could exacerbate the muscle damage. As to bicarbonate, in theory, starting a bicarb drip could help to alkalinize the urine, which could improve renal function. But there's not much literature to support it, so I don't know. I'm no nephrologist. Some folks also give mannitol as a diuretic to promote diuresis. This is something I've not done before for rhabdo, but I found it in my research and just wanted to share it. Okay, let's summarize the treatment for rhabdo. Our goal is to support the kidneys in clearing myoglobin and correcting electrolyte abnormalities. So if the kidneys are filling up to the job, we can just push more fluids through them and let them do their thing. But if they are struggling from being so clogged with myoglobin, we can temporarily help them out with dialysis. The key takeaway here is to make sure that we aren't dumping fluids in and the kidneys can't even turn it into urine. If your intake and output aren't matching up, stop dumping fluids and make a plan for dialysis. All the while, we're closely monitoring and treating electrolyte abnormalities. These tricky buggers can throw your patients into arrhythmia, so keep a close eye on the ECG morphology and lab values and intervene when you see it going in the wrong direction because prevention is better than defibrillation, if you know what I mean. Well, guys, this is a tough one. Rhabdo is super complicated, but I hope that after listening to this episode, you'll not only know how to recognize it and treat it, but also how to prevent complications and even explain the diagnosis to your patient. Before you go, I just wanted to let you know that if you like this episode, you would probably like my course too. My one-hour rapid response and rescue course is an introduction to how I approach emergencies. If you would like to learn to think, assess, and respond quickly when your patient is crashing, then you can check out my website, rapidresponseandrescue.com. And if you message me the word podcast on Instagram, I will send you a coupon code for $10 off the cost of the course. Oh, and did I mention that the course is approved by the AACN and worth one continuing education contact hour? 
So if you want to level up your emergency response skills and get one CE in the process, then this course is what you want. I put the link in the show notes for you. Well, thanks for listening. I hope you learned something that will save a life. Remember, nursing is a team sport. So trust your intuition and don't give up advocating until you are confident you've done what's right by your patient. The views and opinions expressed on this show are that of Sarah Lorenzini and hers alone. They are not intended as medical advice and should not take the place of your institution's policies or procedures. Evidence-based practice is ever-changing and your patient care should reflect the current best practice. If you want to get in contact with Sarah, you can find her at rapidresponseandrescue.com or on social media platforms as the Rapid Response RN. 